Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Start Somewhere for Marie Claire with me, Sarah Vaughan. And this week, I'm so delighted to welcome my very special guest, Stephanie Benedetto, who's the CEO and founder of Queen of Raw. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. And I, I know that you're knee deep in snow at the moment. So it's wonderful that the internet still works. <laughs> so far, so good. Can't complain. <laughs> wonderful. So as you know, we always start this um, podcast by asking, how did you start out in life? So kind of where did you grow up? What were your kind of inspirations as a, as a child and a young woman? Well, funny enough, kind of my journey and my story actually starts 100 years before I was born. Wow. I had a great grandfather who I grew up very close to. He lived to a beautiful age of 105. And I would hear this. Yeah, incredible. Right. And I'd hear the stories from him of what he did growing up. He was an immigrant from Austria. And he in 1896, he came over on a ship. He landed at Ellis Island and he settled into the Lower East Side of New York, which was actually the original garment district. And as an immigrant, right, chasing the American dream, he had to figure out how to make a living for his family and what to do. And so what did he do? He actually found materials and supplies nearby, old fabrics and furs and things that the immigrants had brought over in the ships with them, but they weren't using anymore. And he would repurpose them by hand with minimal waste and minimal toxins because his bottom dollar depended on it. And he sold these beautiful haute couture fashion garments as finished goods to local customers. A lot of his fur coats I actually still wear today. And of course, he didn't talk about it as circular economy or sustainability. At the end of the day, that's very much what it was, right? It made sense for people, it made sense for planet, and it certainly made sense for his profit. And so that story, that vision has kind of always inspired me. And of course, we all know, right, today's supply chains, especially in fashion, are much more complicated than in the 1890s. (laughs) You've got hundreds of steps across the globe, metric tons of water, chemicals, crops, and oil obviously used in the process. But our vision with Queen of Raw was always, how can we use technology to get back to the way my great grandfather did business. Um, oh, it wasn't a direct getting me to starting Queen of Raw from there. There was obviously some uh, experience we could chat about in between there, but that is truly what inspired me. Oh, that I, what a beautiful story. He must be, you know, so proud of you, kind of living, living this, living his legacy. Wow. Yes. <laughs> And and so, I mean, but you actually, I mean, you actually went into law first, is that right? Well, funny enough, I didn't do the family route. I um, said, I'm going to Wall Street. I'm going to be a corporate attorney and ended up specializing as a legal uh, counsel in fashion technology and sustainability companies. So I guess at the end of the day, we can't run from who we are, right? You get back to your roots and your purpose. Um, And as a lawyer on Wall Street, I was there in 08 and 09. And very similar to what's going on in the world today, right? The market crashed and it was the height of seeing waste, greed, excess, and very dark times for a lot of people. And I took that as my opportunity to go out on my own, go build a business and serve my purpose and go change the world and never looked back. So that's when I took the first leap into entrepreneurship. I had a company, a startup prior to Queen of Raw that invented a new leather alternative. 
And it did very well in the market and it started growing. But as we were selling this, we were still selling something new. It was sustainable. It was a leather alternative, but I was still manufacturing something new. And I'd go to these factories and mills and warehouses around the world and I'd see all this perfectly good stuff. Fabric just sitting there in warehouses collecting dust are going to be burned or sent to landfill. And seeing that just became this massive opportunity and, and a problem that I couldn't ignore and I had to go out and solve. Yeah, and 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 what what a brilliant problem to solve. And uh, you know, and as you say, I mean, you know, most of the major fashion houses and 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 a lot of textile uh, manufacturers have warehouses and warehouses full of fabrics, don't they? I mean, just 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 mountains of the stuff. It's so staggering, and a lot of people didn't know, but it's actually over, we've quantified it, $120 billion with a B worth of unused fabric every single year sits in warehouses collecting dust or gets burned or sent to landfill. And think about what's going on in the world right now, more unused inventory than ever before, right? Because of closed stores, canceled orders, missed seasons and collections. This stuff just piled up. And for so long before even COVID and the pandemic, um, fashion was just operating at such a high speed. In so many ways, it was unsustainable by all definitions of the world at board. And if any good can come out of what's going on in the world right now, it is that people have woken up to these issues and that we can do better and build businesses that are going to leave a better planet for our children. That's for sure. That also make economic sense. Absolutely. So you, I mean, A, I have to say, like, I, I just love the fact that you used what was a crisis to actually follow your heart and dream and to take that leap. And, and you know, it would be wonderful if you could offer any advice to people who are thinking the same. Because, I mean, a lot of people are, are in situations where they're like, oh, my God, I'm losing my job or I've lost my job. And, you know, I, I, I mean... You know, how did you have the courage to do that? I've been there. I get it, right? In 08 and 09, I saw it and experienced it. And now we're going through it now, uh, obviously in very different ways, but but still some similarities. And I would just say, you know, if you can look at what's going on in the world and look at these problems, but think about that as opportunities for you to build solutions that are going to bring real value to the world. And when I say value, I mean good things for people good things for planet, but also good things for profit and economic opportunity. And I, that often gets forgotten when we talk about sustainability, but there is huge value to be unlocked right now. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get your ideas out there, right? Learn about the problem, explore different opportunities and solutions and grow from there. Um, you know, for us, we've grown 125% and more through COVID month over month and quarter wow. over quarter. And that's without spending any an additional pay in any PR marketing or advertising. So the opportunities to look at these problems and solutions, to leverage technology and digital solutions, sustainability is now top of mind. And we have seen, as I'm sure you've seen, right, there was so much incredible work going on with finished goods and reuse. There's the real, real Poshmark Depop, right? These businesses are doing so well. But what I found was nobody was paying attention to the systemic issue up the chain and all the raw material waste. And so my hypothesis was, you know, the reason we have all this finished goods waste and down the chain waste 
was because of these systemic issues and problems in up the chain. If we can solve for that, then hopefully we can also improve the waste that happens down the chain across the supply chains. And that's that's really what excites us and the opportunity that we saw, but there are a lot of them out there. And so go out and, and take that risk and go change the world. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for those words of inspiration. So you saw this enormous problem. I mean, like all this kind of like dead stock sitting there or being sent to landfill or being burned. So tell us about, you know, the, the kind of proposition of, of, of Queen of Raw and actually what you do. So when we saw all of this waste sitting in warehouses, we knew there was an opportunity there. Huge problem that was costing a lot of businesses, a lot of money. And on the same time, we knew that there was a market for them. We know that there are designers and creators, small and large, who want to get their access on their hands on these materials. Right. They're sitting in a warehouse. So to me, the magic was how do you get that those products from the warehouse to the web and into buyers' hands and do that globally? And so that's where when Queen of Raw started, we officially opened it up as a global B2B marketplace. And uh, it started around 2018. We opened it up officially. And we knew that we could start collecting data and analytics and matching supply and demand, and that we could keep this waste out of landfill, help the seller turn what would be pollution into economic profit, and help buyers get access to high quality materials at a discount and located away from any areas impacted by disruption, right? Quick, easy access at your fingertips. So that was the inspiration and the ethos behind the marketplace and how Queen of Raw started. Like any business, as you grow, you're going to incur challenges, of course, and figure out how to solve them. And so one of the challenges we had was a lot of large brands and retailers wanted to participate. But it's very easy to add product to a marketplace when you have a handful of SKUs, you know, 10 or 20 SKUs, maybe even 100 SKUs. But some of our enterprise customers have thousands to tens of thousands to now hundreds of thousands of SKUs of inventory. And when you're talking about that volume, to manage that manually, it just doesn't make sense. It wouldn't work. (laughs) And so that's where, in addition to the marketplace that you see, we have built some incredible software and tools that live behind Queen of Raw. So now we go so far for our large enterprise customers to actually integrate into their inventory systems, automatically find all that unused inventory, pull it into Queen of Raw's engine, and then our magic happens. For all that waste, you as a seller can take action. You can choose to reuse it internally, right? Now that you know about it, that's awesome. Use it yourself. <laughs> Before it was stuck in somewhere else. You exactly. Do, right? You can reuse it. You could choose to sell it on Queen of Raw, and we do track how much the real value of these goods are. This isn't pennies, but real value for these high-quality goods. Or if it's past a shelf life or highly proprietary, we can give you a partner for responsible disposal. And it'll start to track, right, all the water and toxins and energy and dollars saved. We worked on our algorithm with MIT, who's an investor in our company and some other partners like the United Nations. And that's really important because so many times brands and retailers are doing such awesome work. They don't know how to talk about it. Sustainability, right? It's such a complicated word. And they don't know how to have the data and how to how to share those metrics. And so that's what we give them a report to be able to talk about the good acts that they're doing. Um, and so the value is, is in that and in them being able to communicate because not only are sellers making money selling this stuff and freeing up, right, that costly warehouse space, but they can also tell their consumers what they're doing. And we know that the millennials and Gen Zs and the buyers with purchasing power, they care and they want that sustainable story to tell. And so one of our enterprise customers, this is a great figure, they actually improved their bottom line 
by up to 15% just by selling this stuff. But then they saw on their top line revenue growth, they saw three times the conversion rate in their online direct-to-consumer business just by talking about working with dead stock and sustainability. So you get this win-win-win, plus consumers get access to the sustainable story. And uh, and they also, as a consumer, you don't necessarily want to pay more. You can actually get sustainable goods at a discount or look anything, right? I mean, that's incredible because I think, you know, for so long, you know, people have, I mean, the original trade-off was was like sustainable fashion was a bit like, "Mm, I'm not sure I really want to wear that. I really want to wear it, but I'm not loving it. And then I think the barrier has been, you know, as the, the designs have improved, dramatically it's been a price thing because like you know I know that I'm saving the planet but also (laughs) I've got to you know I've got to keep an eye on my spending (laughs) without question especially with what's going on in the world and consumers right you you do care about people and planet and you want good brands and retailers who respect that but you can't necessarily especially with the world right now spend a lot more and so having access with these recirculation reuse models we can get you sustainable goods at the same price or even at a discount. And I think that's the beauty of the real, real and Poshmark and those platforms and what we're doing in the raw materials space. So the more we can unlock this value, I think the more we can support all players and it becomes a win, win, win for everyone. And how do you say no to that, right? So- well, I, I, I don't know how you can't really. <laughs> you know, I don't see that there's any kind of drawback. I mean, it's absolutely inspirational. And I think, you know, as you, you know, have, have said, I mean, you know, when, you know, COVID first hit, and, you know, people's productions were, were completely like, <laughs> do anything. A lot of, a lot of the fashion houses did turn to kind of their, their, their old stock and their old patterns. I mean, even you're seeing, you know, inspiration from, from, I don't know, like Gucci's new line coming out, which, which, you know, it really is inspired by their kind of 1970s kind of designs and pattern. So a lot of people went into the archives. So it became a very kind of popular thing to, 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 to do. So did you notice a lot of, a lot of that? Massive. I mean, Nike's doing that too, right? They did their whole collections that did so well um, out out of recirculation of their own materials and reuse of dead stock. And um, I I think it's no, there's no guessing as to why Nike, I think in the latest McKinsey report, dominated in value creation from 2018 till today because of that kind of smart thinking. Um, And so I think other brands and retailers who want to survive today and thrive tomorrow will be encouraged to participate in these kinds kinds of models too, because of that kind of triple bottom line and and the value that it unlocks and creates. So interestingly enough, we're seeing a lot of big brands and retailers not only sell, but turn around and buy from us, right? Because then, you know, they make money selling this raw material waste, and then they can use that money and put it back into sourcing high quality goods at a discount and with a sustainable story to tell. So they buy too. And and then their CapEx on their expenditure is no different, right? They've made money and they use it. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And and I have to ask, you know, because, you know, manufacturing has changed considerably. I mean, it, it you know, people say that the clothes aren't built to last because the fabrics aren't built to last. I mean, do you, do you notice that in the kind of textiles that you're, you're, you're actually kind of working with as well? Yes, we regularly track the trends and the quality and the curation of the materials that we work with and um, their shelf life. Because of the way our technology works, and we leverage the fun stuff like blockchain or machine learning, but nobody needs to worry about that. that. That's our job. But because of those tools, we actually can know 
When was it made? Who made it? What is it made of? All of these details with integrity to that data, we know that thing. So we can curate and stand behind the quality of the materials that we have. And people can get access to high quality goods that they maybe couldn't afford otherwise without increasing the price point of their finished garments. So I think you're right. This, this can only help with longer lasting products of higher quality. And it also, with the, what we think of as the future of the fashion supply chain, right? We're seeing one that is gonna be more on demand more local, more sustainable. And this just encourages that too. Find what you need when you need it, located where you actually need it, right? And and that just brings with it so many efficiencies that just, that makes doesn't, sense. Doesn't it? And like, you don't have to ship, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think, um, you know, it's something that, that uh, you know, I became very aware of. I mean, it's like food, like fashion. I mean, there are long supply chains, they're global. Like, you know, the garment can be, you know, made in China, sent to somewhere else, a totally different country. Like, you know, I don't know, even Bangladesh to have the buttons put on. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the air miles on, on an average dress are enormous. And it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make economic sense anymore either, right? And so um, th that's what tracking and tracing what's actually going on in a supply chain is so helpful to find the waste and the inefficiencies like that. Um, and for anything we do ship, although we encourage our algorithm encourages people to source locally, for anything that they do choose to ship, we do offset those carbon emissions from the positive of reusing these to keep our, obviously our data accurate. And I'll throw one thing out there. I mean, we are tracking the data as a business. It's very important to us. We have saved over a billion gallons of water and we're just getting started. That's actually wow. enough water for 1.4 million people to drink around the world for three years. And I say that not just because I'm proud of the work we do, but because never doubt that from one yard to millions of yards, the actions that you take can and will have a massive impact and a massive difference on the world. And so, you know, we are tracking these things. We want to incentivize and encourage everyone to do better because it does add up. And we see where in the world we've had that real um, impact. And, you know, one of the questions we often get is, aren't you just encouraging people to create more waste? now they got a market to sell it and make real money on it. And I will tell you to that question too, if anyone's thinking about that, we do also track and we know whether companies, factories, mills, brands are increasing or decreasing in the amount of waste and what kind of waste they produce month over month, year over year and in real time. And so we can start to encourage and incentivize good behaviors. And it also, waste is expensive. It doesn't make economic sense to have it. So now that they know about it, we're seeing a lot of them try to curb and improve behaviors to do better and be more efficient. And that's gonna become only more and more important in the coming years because of all the changes in the laws. Obviously in France, right, you've got EPR policies, recycling laws, incredible work being done. Yeah, and, and, and you've got, you know, Carforce, um, the largest supermarket selling secondhand clothes. I mean, it, 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 it's quite astonishing, you know, what, what what's happening in France actually. Yeah. You've been leaders in this, and I, I can tell you that in New York City, we are in a consortium called the New York Circular City Initiative with government, with enterprise companies like H&M and Unilever and Cisco, and we looked at what Europe and France were doing, and we just produced a white paper showing, like, if we adopt these kinds of policies in the U.S., starting in New York, what would it look like to make this city circular? how many jobs would be created and how much money would be saved and made? And then also, in addition to 
obviously changing the laws, what would it look like to have solutions like Queen of Raw to help businesses offset that coming legal liability? And I think a lot of opportunity there. We're just at the beginning and not just for fashion, but cross industries, because obviously for us, textiles touch everyone everywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it seems like textiles is just the start. I have to ask also, because, you know, I, I, I've, I'm very passionate about, about kind of reducing plastic. Are you, and I, I'm kind of hoping the answer is yes, <laughs> are you getting kind of companies who are really you know asking for for fabrics which are plastic free you know when 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 they're coming to you in addition to our algorithm prioritizing obviously locally available inventory it absolutely is looking for more natural fibers and less with plastic in it um, i think that's a huge and important initiative it is it, and not just the plastic obviously used in creating the fabrics but we know right microfiber i mean what's going on in our waters today we did just launch a challenge um, where we are looking for partners who can solve and help us solve the microfiber that's going on in our water and, and think differently about how we make the textiles, how we clean the water and what happens at end of life. And so um, I, I think that's a critical piece and a critical part. Hopefully, eventually we move away from and have no more use of plastic in it. But for right now, while we still do, let's find the more sustainable solution alternative to keep it in reuse and not make more. Yeah, and, and 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 tell us a bit more about uh, about about what you're doing for, for. So, if anyone's got a great idea for microfibers, should 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 they write into you? How do they answer? Yeah, so the micro Google the microfiber innovation challenge. It is a a huge challenge that just opened. It's the prize money is six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We're wow. doing it in, in partnership with Conservation X Labs, and looking for the next big idea. The next big solution that is going to come up with a way for us, whether you're a scientist, an engineer, a marketer, a biologist, a designer, how can our planet's future and this microfiber challenge be solved? And, and it, it absolutely can. So um, we'll be awarding these prizes. Please apply before June 25th, but it's on conservationxlabs.com slash microfibers. And we're a partner in that and excited to see what you come up with. Oh so, my goodness, I love that. So throwing the gauntlet down to the listeners yeah. so you can all start start creatively thinking about how you can solve, solve the microfiber challenge. And I think... You know, I mean, I just read to you know today like uh, that an intern found uh, found a new planet on his third day <laughs> interning with NASA. So I mean, like anything is possible. So I don't think you have to be a professional in this field. You can just be someone who's really fascinated by your laundry and come up with a great idea. <laughs> you without question. And sometimes you know the best innovations come from people outside of that who think differently and aren't entrenched in the old school way of doing things. I see it as an almost a value add that I wasn't a fashion designer, right? I came at this industry, of course, my family had some background in it, but I came at it with a clear head and a clear lens looking at the, the business and the economic and the legal implications of this waste and how to think differently. And I think that, um, yeah, please, anyone how we can think differently, we encourage that. So, I mean, what's your ambition? I mean, the Queen of War is going from strength to strength. Well, what, what's your ambition? What's your vision for the, for the future? I mean, uh, we are going big and bold. We want to build Alibaba or Amazon done right, right? Better for people, better for planet, and with more trust 
transparency, quality, curation. And so we're going big and bold. We're definitely growing um, our marketplace and our software around textiles. But as I mentioned, textiles, it isn't just fashion, although they're a huge consumer of textiles, right? It's automotive, it's aviation, it's computer electronics, it's CPG, right? And so how can we introduce dead stock into those markets? And then in turn, as we learn about those markets, they inevitably create their own waste too. And what is the most valuable waste there that has value that we can then create a market to resell and to help them do better? And so truly kind of across industries and around the world, let's rethink business and and, uh, and everyone wins. Yeah, and, and, and I just love that. And I, you know, I really love the fact that waste has a value because when it has a value and there's a secondary market for it, then it's not left and it's not dumped. I mean, I, th- I think I also read, you know, the 2020 was the best year for recycling of um, aluminium or aluminum, if I say it in America. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's really exciting. You know, we need all this stuff being truly circular because as we know, we don't have, you know, several other planets worth of natural resources to make it. When I started doing this, um, people often assumed that we were dealing in scraps off a cutting room floor. And yes, we actually do sell scraps by the pound off the cutting room floor. But the bulk of our business, if, if I tell you this is first rate mint condition, hundreds of thousands to millions of yards of fabric on rolls, still sealed, that has a life and a use. There's no recycling, upcycling, downcycling that needs to happen. It is perfectly good, ready to be used as it is. And so that's where, you know, at least for these kinds of materials, I just saw so much opportunity. Um, And then, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot more of that out there. And my ultimate vision and dream, right, is we never need to ship anything anywhere ever again. Sorry to UPS, FedEx, and DHL, our green shipping partners. They're amazing. But at the end of the day, if you can find what you need when you need it, where you need it, and once we've mapped the world's dead stock, you're going to have enough around you that you don't need to look very far. And I think that'll be very interesting to see what happens with design and creators and makers. I, I absolutely love it. And, 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 you know, I feel that, you know, the whole model is shifting. I mean, people will will make things to order. I mean, you know, no longer will they do these kind of large, large orders. It will all be, literally be done done on demand. And, 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 and I think, you know, just, just the new technologies, which, which are helping people inform kind of, you know, how much is ordered, how much is needed. I mean, I, I <laughs> things will be much more personalized much more customized in the future it's very exciting it will but that only comes from having the data right and all this stuff around waste was previously dark data and now finally it's been brought to light and what can you do with that now that you as a business know and now that consumers know and i'm excited to see in addition to what we're doing the other business models and innovations around us that we can connect to and support that are thinking about this too and can help Great. So I, I, I mean, look, we we could talk to the cows come here. I'm right? <laughs> so much fun. I'm so excited. But you know, for for our kind of listeners, you know, who are who are very, you know very broad international groups. Some who have you know fashion designers. Some who love to consume fashion. You know, some who are in homes. All sorts of things. What what are your top tips? You know, for people who want to start somewhere. Well, a couple of simple things that uh, we think about every day. Um, one is read the labels of the clothes you buy. It's a simple little act that takes seconds. And even though they're not perfect, um, like the food you put into your body and reading the ingredients, right? The clothing that's touching your skin, your children's skin, the sheets on your body 24-7, you want to be able to know and, and read what it is made of 
and if you can't pronounce it or it's not a familiar word, chances are it's not the safest, cleanest, most sustainable thing. So that's a simple, easy little thing every day that you can do. Um, the good news is if you do have questions about a brand or retailer and you don't know how ethical or how good their practices are, there are great platforms like Good On You where yep. you can just type in the name of the brand and quickly decide and see whether it fits with your definition of sustainability and what matters and, and means something to you. Those are kind of everyday tools, but for any entrepreneurs out there, anyone daring to, to kind of want to build a business and go change the world, um, the, the best thing I can say is get your idea up and out there, get an MVP up and running, leverage whatever is open source that you can and start to learn about your community and start to get feedback. And, you know, so often we, especially in fashion, you want everything to look and feel perfect, right? And to be in its greatest state before you show anyone or sell anything. And I think that can be a hindrance to entrepreneurship because you're constantly going to be improving, innovating, growing, pivoting, responding to consumer demands and needs. So I encourage everyone, get your idea up there, get your story out there, start building a community and just keep iterating and moving and growing. That's how you'll keep ahead of the rest. And I truly believe how you'll be the last player in the market to really dominate and also make a big difference and solve this climate crisis, which we can. Oh, Stephanie, what amazing kind of words of wisdom. I mean, thank you for your energy. Thank you for solving such an enormous problem in the world and <laughs> making it valuable. I mean, it, 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 it's just extraordinary what, what, what you're, you're doing. And I, I, I have no doubt that you, you will create the next Alibaba or something like that. So, you know. Well, thank you. I'm excited to connect with anyone out there. Please feel free to reach out. And um, we're stronger together because of our community. So thank you for allowing us to share and, and on this journey with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you.